Uh, Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 27. Hear the word of God. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Uh, the grass withers and the flower fades, and Scripture says that the word of the Lord uh, lasts uh, forever. The gospel does not leave us complacent in life. I would put up the little uh, slide there of, of Philippians uh, and the contentment. It's not complaining, but also not complacent. Uh, the gospel doesn't just leave us uh, complacent in life. Uh, I want to say this way, contentment is not a synonym of complacency, right? Um, though we can get confused that way sometimes. Scripture at times, later in this uh, book, tells us not to worry. Right? Don't be anxious, don't worry. But it doesn't say don't care. Um, don't, don't love or, or act and serve. Um, it says to rejoice always. But Scripture also tells us to mourn uh, when there are things that are sad and tragic and hurting. Uh, that, that that matters as well. It, it teaches us that, that God is working, and because God's working, He's doing uh, things that are that are good, even good for us in Him, and so we can be confident now because God is working. He doesn't tell us to do nothing. We're still responsible uh, to act, uh, to do what's right. The gospel doesn't doesn't leave us in. It doesn't even allow us uh, apathy or, or inactivity or sloth or even, even a smugness of contentment. It calls us uh, to a response, to a whole life response that's focused on Jesus. Now, sometimes complacency sounds, sounds appealing, uh, right? When you, when you have enough and, and life is already so good that you don't, you don't want to, to uh, you don't need anything more. You don't want to do anything more because you've already got enough to there with what, you, with what you have. Enough clothes, enough money, enough time, enough friends. It's just good. You just hold on to it and, and sit in it, and that's, that's all you want to do. In some ways, it doesn't sound that bad. In some ways, maybe that's, that's what we're aiming for, hoping for sometimes. Uh, I think of complacency kind of like if you've eaten a big meal, like a really big meal, and you've had enough, right? <laughs> you kept going. You're just kind of, you're just kind of stuffed, uh, stuffed with it, and you don't want to move. You're just kind of complacent after that because you're, you're filled. Um, but then what if, there's, what if there are other people, um, other people who haven't eaten, uh, hungry faces that are, that are at your window doing who care? Uh, right? Then you begin to see some of the problems with a, with a self-focused, self-satisfied uh, complacency. It's just trying to have enough to not worry about anything else. Instead, the gospel, uh, gospel contentment calls to, calls to action. Uh, it calls us to love others, to serve others, to sacrifice ourselves uh, for, for others. 
Uh, and so in this letter, Paul's writing to them, and he's, he's encouraging them in contentment, uh, that they can be content even in his own situation being uh, in prison, that there's, there's joy for him and they can rest in these things as well. Uh, but, he, but even though as he, as he encourages them in contentment, he, as he writes to them, you see it in these verses, he calls them uh, to gospel living. He calls them to, a, to an appropriate way of responding to the gospel, a gospel way of life. And the contentment remains, so there's not an ounce of complacency involved in it. See in these passages and, and others later, uh, later in this letter as well. Um, he says, "Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ." He's calling us to action. And there's a certain way of life uh, that uh, that's that's worthy of the gospel because it because it fits with the gospel because it reflects the gospel and lives out its truth. Uh, even as you can translate it on there, it says only behave as citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ, right? Philippi was a Roman province. They're Roman citizens uh, representing Rome and, and that. They behave as citizens, something they're used to. It says you're citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. A few weeks back, most of y'all got an email uh, the week before the Oklahoma game, right? Uh, reminding you essentially to be good citizens of Florida State University, be representing uh, our, our, this institution uh, well. Um, to show, here's some of the phrases from it, right, because ESPN Game Day is going to be down there, there's nationally televised events and also, so you're encouraged to, sh- we're encouraged to show our unconquered spirit, right, to uphold the garnet and the gold, right? uh, to take responsibility for yourself and others, different things, like a, a no underage drinking, selling other tickets and stuff, like no underage drinking going off on campus, you're getting carted off in front of college game day, like I say, like, that wouldn't represent FSU well, right? Um, let me send out a little email to you. Just a reminder, only let your, uh, let your conduct uh, that day be, um, um, <coughs> be worthy of FSU, citizens or, or students uh, of them. Uh, and, and so more deeply, similar manner, Paul is, is writing to them as, as gospel citizens. Um, uh, and it comes to us in, in, in Christ as to live as, as gospel citizens, to live as students of the gospel. I've shown that the gospel has made its imprint on you. And that changes something about how a believer should, should live and respond. Uh, we're going to look at just kind of three different sides of it. If you'd like to follow along and outline, the points are, are, are printed for you uh, there. Uh, three different sides of the, the gospel imprint, of what it means to live as, as gospel citizens worthy of the gospel of Christ. Um, uh, a striving community a, uh, with a salvific confidence uh, that who suffers in conflict in Christ. Um, or, or if you uh, prefer, you know, three things, uh, a team, a sign, and a gift. Three things we're going to talk about from the passage. As we get through, I just want to encourage you to ask yourself, uh, am I content or am I complacent? Maybe to what degree? Um, if you consider uh, yourself a Christian, ask if, if this is the imprint that the gospel has, has made on you. Uh, or maybe if it, if it calls you into deeper action. Uh, if you're not a Christian, to ask, is this something that you would ever even want your life to, to look like? Not something that's described as easy. Um, if you look at it more in terms of uh, just 
uh, evaluating Christianity and criticizing uh, Christianity. Um, I think it gives a perspective not just on evaluating what some, how some people have responded to things, but what the gospel is, what itself, what Christ himself calls us to. Um, but that would be where we would look. Uh, but, the, but first, then, in relation to our gospel community, a team, or a striving community, I just feel a little bit cheesy when I use the word team. I feel like I've got to give you all a pep talk now, get you like excited to, to go out and you know, rally for something to play and something, or, or I've got to use cheesy you know, pat phrases like there's no I in teams, so just all together on, on these things. Um, <clears throat> I, I want to be careful that I'm not trivializing what we're talking about because there's a real seriousness to it. Um, what it's describing is, is gospel community, right? Um, at the same time, when I try to think about the, the best terms to describe uh, the scenario when you have a when you have a group of, of different people who are who are working together uh, intensely with their abilities for a common purpose. A group of uh, different people all working together with some intensity toward a common goal and a common purpose. Uh, we tend to use the word team there most of the time, and we, whether we see that in terms of those you know, sports teams or, or other things. Um, so we're going to talk about this in relation to to a team. Um, if you're uh, if you like to go play a little uh, play a little ultimate, maybe some uh, basketball, get a little pickup game, you know, going out and land a screen or go up in the lead center or what all. And, all right, you can end up on a team with people like you didn't even know them. You were out there, they were throwing the disc, you were throwing the disc, and then all of a sudden one, two, one, two, one, two around, right, and you've got two different teams. And at this point, the game starts and, and you're ready, right? You're in. Um, and, and you find yourself being willing to, to do things for, for other people that you're still trying to remember their name, right? But you're... you're You'll toss them a disc when they're open. Uh, maybe you'll, maybe you'll, yeah, you know, you're setting, you're setting blocks. You're, um, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're making sacrifices uh, for them, for for part of the team as you go through it. And and their success, you're excited about, um, right? And there's some some degree of at least an attempt at uh, at working together in a unified uh, way and, and, and to get to get it done, to get more more points, score the goals, um, or, or what have you. Um, uh, it's the way we, we look at some of these things. That's it. The team working together in these ways. And in some ways, from how you see the passage describing it here, that's how Christians are with one another. Um, right? People who you've never met uh, at all are, are partners with you in the gospel. Uh, people on this campus, some of them that may be in your class and you don't know who they are, and maybe that's all right sometimes. Uh, and yet they're still, you're together in a, in a common purpose for a common goal and, and to, to be working together toward these things. Um, you need them, and they need you. Um, a unified group of people working intensely toward the common purpose of the gospel. the way it's described, right? Paul says, a, a standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Right, this, is, this is how Christians are, or at least it's how Christians are supposed to be as, as gospel citizens. Right, we may be uh, far from that at times, what, what it calls us to. Uh, I want to bring up, out that this, this is like the first aspect of, uh, of living worthy of the gospel. 
Uh, in my mind, this is like a, a huge phrase whenever there's a few different times Paul uses it. Uh, to be said to be living worthy of the gospel. The, the gospel has like uh, uh, immeasurable worth. And so what is it that we can be said in some way to be living in a way that, that's worthy of, of the gospel? Um, and this is the first thing that he, that he mentions here in terms of a team or striving a community that helps us, want to help us understand what it means to be living worthy. It's not that, not that we're doing something of comparable worth to what Christ did. Right? From the scriptural mindset, that's, that's, that's impossible. And also, it's, just, it's not about us uh, and what we're doing. That's not the direction that scripture is, is leading us. Instead, uh, it's focusing us on, on Jesus on the reality of what he has done. And this gospel living seems to be living in such a way where, that, uh, where what Christ has done and the reality of that is, is impacting how he lived. That we're living in ways that are corresponding uh, to it, that are reflecting it. Um, right, so when it comes to uh, talking about uh, gospel community um, uh, as a team uh, this way in it, do you see how it's reflecting the gospel? It, it, it's living in such a way that it's a worth of the gospel of Christ because it's, because it's reflecting us. Yeah, because Jesus has brought us together and Jesus has given us a common purpose. Um, if you will, he, he set, the, set the team, set the event. Um, Jesus and his death, uh, uh, his blood was to redeem who? Right, lots of different people um, with lots of different skills, Lots of different interests, um, lots of different backgrounds, different races, uh, different languages, different places, and and all brought to the same uh, to the same team, to the same uh, community, the community of the church. What he's describing, and Jesus gave his people a purpose. And he gave us a purpose for what uh, we should be uh, doing, what our goal is, making him known. Uh, both in our lives, living according to that, uh, and to, uh, to others outside of it. Um, so it has a worth, so it's, it's a sense of it being worthy of the gospel is because it's reflecting the very things that Jesus has done. It's Jesus that has made us one. It's Jesus that has uh, built, uh, I'm going to say built this team because then I feel cheesy again. It's Jesus that is, that is uh, building his church and brought us together and given the purpose of it. Um, and I think it's an awesome imagery, the way it's described here, of a, of a striving community in the gospel. Um, that's what Christians should be like. I think sometimes we talk about community. Community is kind of like a, like a buzzword nowadays. Everyone wants community. We don't know how to get community. We can get community online and not ever be around people or be ignoring community around us because we are online. And we try to find out on dorms and on the campus and these different things of, of knowing that we have some sense of need for community but not knowing what it is or, or, or where it is. Um, but sometimes we think of community as just kind of like a, a hanging out or just a, a being around other people. Um, and if you think about it very long, the times when you've experienced more community, it's, it's partially been through that hanging out, but, but those relationships are deeper when there's been a sense of purpose that you are together um, building toward these things. This is a community that is striving together toward uh, the goal for the faith of the gospel. Um, to striving with a unity of, of the way he describes it, one spirit, one mind, uh, right? Moved with, moved with one common desire throughout, throughout the whole. 
uh, move with the same passion and desire, almost as if one brain is operating the whole thing. Right? In, a, in a one mind uh, sense, you could even, uh, even the way that word uh, is, you can even describe it as one, one life. Uh, that's, being, that's being lived in all these ways, like Paul will use in other places, the, the one body of Christ. Many members all connected to one another. It's a, it's a beautiful picture, but it's not a picture of just, here's this body, but it's, it's got a purpose and it's able to do something, right? Standing firm. Not letting the other people that are around you fall. Uh, looking out, looking out for them. Side by side, together, pressing toward the goal. Um, right, like if we get excited when the defensive line can hold our opponents from getting into the end zone... Side by side, striving together. I get excited about that. If we can get excited about that, we should really be impacted by this. This is, this is what Christ is doing in his people, that we can get to be a part of striving together for his purpose. I think you can notice as you read that description of it, there's not really a sense of complacency going on, right? Uh, complacent, relaxed, striving. We're just laid back. It's not complacently being, being described here. Um, so maybe we should say then the church um, and Christian community isn't for entertainment. Um, it's not for relaxation. Um, it's not for consumption. Uh, it's not even for personal growth. But we need each other. Uh, and together we need Jesus. Um, and the world needs Jesus, and he has called us up to himself to be working out these things. Um, as you hear Christians, you need to find other believers around you um, to be standing with them, uh, working side by side uh, with them. It means when you're hurting, you get to be open with other people around you. Uh, letting them in because you need your help, and God's already put us on the same team together. Um, to help and to encourage you. When you see others who are weak, um, to not let them fall. To figure out what you can say or speak or, 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 or come into their life and, and encourage them and be praying for them. The implications of it abound for what it means to be a striving community, the community of God's people uh, in the church, um, a team in a sense. That's what Christ has made. Now the questions for us are still, is this, what we're, is this what we're a part of? So is that what we want to be a part of? What we're contributing to on the way that we're purposing and setting forth our lives? But as you read the description of it, it doesn't sound like an easy thing, right? Uh, and, and the next aspect that's talked about this gospel citizenship uh, living is, is not to be intimidated and frightened. Right, first, you're, first you're standing firm and, and striving side by side, but also not to be intimidated or frightened. So we go uh, from a team, secondly, to a sign. Uh, in relation to, to gospel, a confidence here, a sign. What's he talking about? Right, it doesn't mean just kind of like a, a road sign coming up or an RES sign that's uh, leaning up, up against the window so you can't really find where we are. Um, it uh, doesn't mean a sign out center like the stars are aligned in a certain way and so it was a sign of, of, of what was going to happen um, I was just talking about an action that shows something more than itself right like you know, some, some simple examples are like a wave right? you kind of get that one naturally when you see someone like doing this with your hand facing you you're not like 
their arm. Is it going through a spasm? What's happening? Right? They're, they're doing that, but you know what it means? And then, oh, hello, greetings to you, right? Or a thumbs up. It's a sign of something more uh, going on there that's behind it. Um, and the, the, uh, the, the sign, uh, the action here, that's that sign is they're not being intimidated. Uh, that it says something more than just that. It shows something more even about the gospel. Uh, uh, I'll put it this way, if you go over like down the Union and the bowling alley over to the, uh, the pool area or some other uh, pool hall, um, play some one a few times, you're like, going well, feels like you're winning, and you're like, yeah, yeah, let's go play another. Yeah, yeah, it's doing good. And then if they're like, you want to put some money on it? And you see a little bit of like a, a smirk go across their face and then fade? Yeah, that's, a, that's a sign of something else. The sign is you're about to get hustled, um, right? Um, and, and I think that's similar to the clear sign here in a certain way. The Travis Rackham me on it. Um, it, would, it would seem that there's plenty of reason for um, for the church in Philippi, for the believers there, to fear. There's plenty of reason for for us to, to fear that their opponents are intimidating. They have Paul like. He's, he's in prison in Rome. He's, he's, he's got a hearing uh, before, the, before the emperor's uh, court, right? Um, this is very early stages of Christianity. They don't really have, like, influential people in the government, you know, kind of working for them, pulling some strings, uh, making, sure, uh, making sure things work out. Um, it's, uh, um, it, it's new enough as a religion. People don't even know what it is. Uh, have different names for what it's called. Um, it, it's not... It's, it's barely becoming known enough to have, like, minority status. Um, and that's not a protected minority status, right? There's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of persecution that goes on. Um, uh, governors, magistrates that it talks about, businessmen, religious leaders, you can read through Acts and just hear the different descriptions of people who are, uh, who are opponents uh, to the gospel, who are... Um, are hurting uh, Christians, having them imprisoned. Um, uh, Paul many times he speaks out for himself. So it would be a, it would be a rational fear to be intimidated, right? He's saying not to be intimidated. But living worthy of the gospel means they're they're not being intimidated. Because it'd be a rational fear to be intimidated, except for for one thing: that, that Jesus is Lord. That's the gospel. Uh, but he's actually reigning. Um, right? They, they may not have people in the government and these things, but they have someone uh, very high up uh, who supports them, who's got them covered, who's, who's ruling even over, over all these things. The supreme universal ruler is their king. Gives a confidence, right? Uh, living as gospel uh, citizens means being citizens who are confident in their king. Confident that he's able to protect them, uh, that he's able to rule through them, that he is, uh, that he is working. Um, that's why it would be worthy, talked about as worthy of the gospel of Christ. Because Jesus says that he's overcome the world. Um, that he's conquered death uh, and the devil who has the power of death and all earthly powers. In the name above, uh, above every name. Right, so in, the, so in the gospel, there's a reason for confidence. Um, even, even a salvific confidence. So even though they're getting, they're getting beat down and beat down and, and persecuted, there's, they're not being intimidated as a sign of something more. As a sign of, of Christ who's ruling, the gospel is, is about. 
it's a salvific uh, confidence, if you will, relating, relating to salvation. Right? So it's a sign of, uh, of destruction um, and a sign of uh, salvation. It's a clear sign to them of their destruction, uh, but of your salvation and that uh, from God. Um, it's a sign of destruction for those opposing Christ, uh, but of, uh, uh, of those um, working for Christ, it's a sign of, uh, sign of their salvation. Salvific confidence. Uh, I'm going to give you an example from, uh, from Acts chapter 5. You can turn over there if you want. I'll be in verse uh, 34, read a few verses. This is when uh, uh, Peter and the apostles early in the church were, uh, were, were imprisoned. Um, and, uh, and this is before the, for the Jewish authorities, and, um, and they're trying to decide what to do, and they've been in prison, they've gotten out, and they're, they're grabbing them again, and uh, since they, um, when they hear some of the things that, that Peter and the apostles are saying, they're enraged and want to kill them. And uh, one man stands up and says, a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside a little bit. Like, all right, let's, let's just calm down. Let's think about this. How should we, how should we proceed here? That is, what, uh, that is what he said. He said to them, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, Theudas rose up, claiming to be somebody. A number of men, 400, um, and joined him. He was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Jesus the Galilean rose up in the days of the census, drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I, present case, I tell you, keep away, uh, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this, plan is an, uh, if this plan or this understanding is of man, it will fail. Uh, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Read that part again. Um, if this plan or understanding is of man, it will fail. Uh, but if, if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. What he's saying is how it goes will be a sign of who's behind it. Um, if it's able to keep going, if, if it's not able to keep going, that'll show that it's of man. Um, if it's able to, to keep going, and maybe it's of God, and we don't want to be uh, opposing God. Same thing he's talking about here in terms of even just their, their response in these situations. Is it one of intimidation or confidence? Uh, confidence that, that is of God and that he is working it out. Um, right? He says that it's, 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 a, it's a salvation of God. Like, so it's not that suddenly somehow you've got the, uh, you've got the ability to hustle them in the end. Right? That's not where the smirk comes from. Um, knowing that there's a God ruling over all these things, who's, who's got the whole scenario set, who's already won uh, the victory, um, and maybe looking, maybe looking toward death uh, for them. Some of these uh, may, may well under, underwent that kind of persecution, but there can still be a, a confidence uh, because Christ is Lord. Uh, it, when you're hearing this as a sign of destruction, a sign of salvation, um, I want you to think that a sign of destruction is a bad thing. Um, right? Like, we get hurricane warnings in Florida sometimes. It's a good thing that they have a hurricane warning system that you can hear about uh, these things that are happening and that are coming. Um, it's a warning uh, to come to Jesus and be saved by him and not destroyed. Um, the, the early church fathers uh, said, said this, uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seedbed of the church. Uh, these, these men 
being, you know, being put to death, uh, but with this confidence in Christ, the, the church began to grow even through uh, these things. That sign was a sign that pointed uh, to the gospel. Um, and our response under, under any of these things should not be of intimidation or fear, even when it seems that there's plenty of reason for it. Uh, but with a gospel confidence in Christ as Lord. Now, none of us are like about to get thrown in prison uh, for, for believing the gospel. It's a nice thing about uh, part of the world we live in uh, right now. Um, I think we still have to ask the question, are we confident? Um, well, yeah, I still worry about what people think of me as they find out that I'm a pastor. Right? Like, you tell them that right away, and that'd be kind of weird, or what are they going to think of me when that happens? Um, if you're out there, if you're just kind of considering Christianity, you know that if, if you believe the gospel and you live uh, in these ways, that, man, it, it, there's going to be some friends that you're going to lose, um, or they're going to have a hard time with you. Uh, I've had folks talk to me before, they were looking at these things and saying, I, this one girl told me, she's like, I need to meet other people that are, that are in this and believe this, because if I become a Christian, like, I'm not going to have anybody. And I don't know where that's going to go. Um, even right if we just still stress out about plenty of unforeseen circumstances like that, that I didn't want to happen, um, are we confident? And there's a confidence in the gospel, a salvific uh, confidence. It's a sign that Jesus is raised and that Jesus is reigning. Uh, living according to that truth is living as gospel citizens worthy uh, of what Christ has done. So a team, uh, a sign, and thirdly, uh, a gift in relation to gospel conflict. Gift. Sounds like that would be the good part, right? Uh, there's, there's a gift here. All right, well, it's not really the gift that you'd put on your wish list. Um, for it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should suffer. That's the, that's the <laughs> couldn't you have granted like happiness or prosperity or at least like the really bad things won't happen? That would be a nice gift. I could that gift. Um, gospel citizens suffer. Part of part of Christ's kingdom. Uh, are you ready to transfer your membership yet? <laughs> like a, a plan to, uh, to, to change these things? Uh, gospel living is never described as easy, always as, as difficult. Oppositions, conflicts, suffering. Uh, but not only will suffering happen, it's a, it's a gift. It's granted to you, the non-returnable uh, uh, gift as well. Um, let's, be, let's be clear about what we're talking about then as, as suffering uh, and conflict uh, for Christ. Um, it would include things like martyrdom and persecution, religious persecution, but I, but I want you to hear that's not all. Um, actually, for the, for the believer, every experience in the world of its brokenness and sin is, is part of the suffering. Whether that's from yourself or from others, your own mistakes and sins, or the ways others have hurt you, or even just the general reality of, of the curse, the frustration of work, pain, the hardships in life are, are part of this. So it should be clear that the, that the conflicts in which suffering occurs are, are not good. They're deeply wrong. Uh, sometimes horrible, disturbing, even tragic. Um, but the suffering in that conflict is a gift. It's a gift that's well given and even beneficial. Right, like, how does that make any sense at all? 
I see a ton of passages like this. We're like, okay, Bible says some weird stuff. What's it? How does this make any sense? I'll, I'll put it this way: if you're if you're aiming at complacency, it doesn't make any sense at all. It's not going to work out uh, that way. If you're aiming to be changed more like Jesus, this is the means that God is using to do it. Um, if you desire God to build faith and character in you, uh, this is other passages talk about as, as the refining fire, uh, where, where nothing but gold is, is left as you go through it. We're drawn cl- closer to God and made more like him through it. Um, and, and so I think that would be still to, to say too little about about it, that it's not merely, it's not merely just God's work uh, in you that's said to be worthy of the gospel. Uh, it's worthy of the gospel to, to, to suffer, uh, to, to realize, look at it that way. Uh, because the gospel is that Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered for us uh, to the point of death and condemnation. And without that, we wouldn't have uh, any hope. Uh, we'd, be, we'd be stuck in suffering forever. And now Jesus lets us join uh, in that suffering. In that suffering for him and for, for his sake and his benefit. It should be the believer's uh, joy to serve Christ who has served us beyond comparison. I'm not saying I always have that attitude on it or that I've ever had much of that attitude on it. So does it make sense to you on a conceptual level, at least first, how this is worthy of God? Christ has suffered for us and accomplished everything for us and call, gives us the opportunity to suffer for him, uh, to join with him uh, in this and the work that he's doing. Um, Another aspect of how it's worthy for the gospel, uh, worthy of the gospel. The gospel is, is also that glory or, or victory come through suffering. Not by like walking, climbing up the ladder until, until you get to that point, but it comes through, through suffering. And so is the, the, the way of the truth of it now. But the, the way of heaven is not plumbing or building the Tower of Babel uh, to, to get to it. It's not through achieving peace for ourselves. Uh, or, uh, or prosperity or finding a good enough job that things are supported and well taken care of. It's not in free time, hanging out, relaxing, or enjoying a, a, a good time. Um, it's not, not where the, the victory comes. Uh, it comes in suffering. It comes in suffering because someone else needed help and you needed to be there. Uh, you wanted to be there. It comes, it comes maybe by not getting as good of a grade because you wanted to... Um, because you went to church on Sunday instead. Um, maybe by suffering not buying the iPhone 5 uh, because you wanted to give to someone who had less. Um, not having as many friends or as much to do on Friday night um, uh, because you wanted to obey the law. Uh, not, having a, not having a boyfriend because you're not willing to put out. Um, getting there late because you weren't going to speed and you left late. Um, whatever different things we go through, and some of these things hurt, um, and I know that it hurts. And when you, some of you tell me about these things, and I hurt with you, um, but if you can also get the perspective to be able to look at it, um, if you look a little closer, you can see it's a well-given gift uh, that God is doing good in you through it, deepening uh, your faith. It's a gracious gift, uh, the chance to suffer for Christ as He suffered. Uh, for us, that's a beneficial gift. It's the road to glory. 
uh, is paved with suffering uh, that leads to where Christ is. There you have it. A team, a sign, and a gift. Our gospel citizens are a striving community with salvific confidence who suffer in conflict for Christ. Are you gospel citizens? Do you want to be? Um, are you living worthy of it? Is that your aim? I'll just end with a, uh, with a would, you, would you rather question. Right, those are always fun. This might not be so fun. I'll end with a would you rather question. Uh, would you rather gospel contentment or complacency? Right, would you rather gospel contentment, constantly struggling and striving, uh, with intimidating opposition, uh, trying to send fear down your spine, and constantly engaged in conflict and suffering, and being told that it's a gift? Or... Would you rather complacency, where you're so stuffed on good things, happiness, prosperity, stylish clothes, big houses, thin bodies, fast wallets, 3D uh, movies, constant entertainment, internet connectivity wherever you go, and all you can eat, all you care to eat food whenever you care to eat it, so full of so much good things and so satisfied with all that you have that you have little reason and need to do anything more? What would you rather? You know, tend to, tend to tip toward that uh, uh, complacency thing. This is the call of the gospel. It tends to tip in favor of complacency until you realize that, that Jesus is not there. Uh, salvation's not there. Life is not there. Uh, Jesus calls you, invites you to himself, and he promises this. He gives himself, uh, and he'll take care of you.